You guys smiling? I hope you've had a wonderful, um, wonderful time with your family this Christmas season. Uh, it's been a Christmas to remember. I love reflecting on uh, the Christmases of you know, the times before. And as you get older, you appreciate it all the more. You appreciate time with your family. Uh, it's more rich uh, because you understand the preciousness of time and age and how quickly this thing is moving along. Um, but I also hope, you know, sometimes we're singing on Sunday morning, and it reminds me of the movie of Johnny Cash when he's singing these old hymns. And the record label guy is kind of like, people are done with you singing your old gospel songs. Because it doesn't sound like you believe it, you know. And so the other songs that people were singing, they believed. And so, church, as we gather, we should be a people of joy. You know, there's been a lot of uh, controversy, a lot of debating over uh, church on Christmas this year. All of a sudden, now it's a controversy. Are you going to hold church on Sunday or not? It's Christmas. You know, and so if people decided not to worship, I'm not hunting them down. Um, but one of our uh, church founders, Phineas Brzee, who we came out of the John Wesley theology, uh, he said, even if Christmas fell on any day of the week, he held a service for it. Isn't that pretty cool? Usually it's like, you know, Christmas falls on a Tuesday. Yeah, we get free of this church thing today. We just open gifts. You know? um, but we should celebrate the very fact that Christ has come. This is a real thing. It is reality. It is history that God has moved in the world that we know. It is the greatest miracle that has ever happened. God has come into our world became flesh that we may be with God. Uh, the message that came to the early shepherds on that first Christmas was about joy. C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. So if you're a joyous person, you're living out the spirit of heaven. When we pray, we pray the kingdom of God, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, church. But that first message these angels appeared to shepherds working at night, watching the sheep. Now, you'll have these atheists and agnostics that come along and say, well, Christmas was not on December 25th, so that just dismantles all of Christianity. Um, the reason, they just established this as a day. This is not the literal day in which Jesus was born. The shepherds were meeting at night, and it was probably pretty warm. So they think probably midsummer. And obviously, when the wise men came, they came to a house Jesus was born in a manger. And so we kind of gather all those things together. But you have these atheists, agnostics, and skeptics, and they find out a little bit of history, and they say, this Christmas thing is mythology. No, it's not. God came into the world. Jesus is a man who is God in the flesh, who went to the cross, who died for us, who rose again. These are historical facts for us that affect us in our faith. But that message was a message of joy. And it says this, Luke 2 uh, 10 through 12. And the angel said to them, fear not. And obviously, if you're working at night and a bright light happens, unless you're doing what they do in Colorado, this is pretty, this is pretty, this is pretty significant here. Um, when I first moved here, they would say, they would call people from Colorado greenies. And I was like, it's because they, they passed the, the weed thing? <laughs> oh, it's the plates or whatever it was. So here it is, Luke 2. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. 
Why is it great news? Why is it good news of great joy? Because a Savior is born. Why is that necessary? Because the world is in sin and people need savings. And then they got a glimpse of heaven. It says, and then suddenly there was with the angel, the one angel that presented himself to the shepherds, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And that means the most highest place. They're kings on earth, but they can only achieve so much success. Glory to God in the most high place. Praise God and say glory to God on earth. Peace among those whom he is pleased. That basically means that peace has come into the world for all people. Christmas church is about joy. And I want you to know why. Because Christmas is about heaven. Now, you're, you're trying to think, whoa, 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 how is Christmas about heaven? I thought this was about this little baby, the manger, some farm animals, and, you know, opening gifts, Santa Claus, and all of that. Church, the incarnation was God shining into this dark world. And the birth of Jesus brought with it so much. God came to live with us, and this is the reason. The incarnation leads to heaven. God came to live with us that we might live with him. That is the very purpose that God has come into the world. Because of the birth of Christ, the Savior, we have an entrance into God's heaven. And that's what I want to spend some time dealing with today concerning Christmas, is that Christmas leads to heaven. We're going to read uh, some of the verses that Jessica read this morning. Actually, we just have verses 1 through 4 here. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Now, there's another teaching that has come into Christianity, so you have to be aware. And one of those is that we're just supposed to, we're going to stay on this earth, and we're to make it like heaven. Now, of course, we're praying that, but there's going to be a radical change. This earth, as we know it, is going to be melted. The Apostle Peter tells us these elements will melt. Why will they melt? Because we're not staying in the same earth, and it will not be the same heaven. There will be a new heaven. And a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth at this point in the book of Revelation has passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, that God has come to live and do life with humanity, those who are saved. And he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. God came to be flesh that we may be with God and there's going to be this union where we do life as normal with God. It, it is the reality. Christmas leads to heaven. And what will he do when we are there? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And this is fascinating to think about because the tears in this portrayal of what's to happen is that they are weeping at this point. But it is to say that God is going to wipe away the need to even weep. Why? Because there's no more death. Death will be no more. The greatest thing that man fears, that destroys man. You know, I was thinking about this morning as Letitia was sharing the names of the poinsettias. And she read off uh, my mom's name, Linda Hutchinson. 
And I was thinking about that. We have these here because we're thinking about loved ones at Christmas. And the reality is, you know, we always think resurrection is the only time we can talk about that God raises the dead and saves people. But Christmas is about resurrection as well. That God came to give us life. That when we are in the presence of God, he has overcome death. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things, all the things that we know in the present right now, will be no more. Amen, church? Let's pray together this morning. Father in heaven, we love you. We bless your holy name. We thank you for your goodness, uh, for you are a good God. You are the sovereign God, and you are holy, and you've come to give us life. And today we struggle with those we feel like if we give them more facts, more information, more light, that they may understand you. But Lord, today we pray it's not more light that they need. Lord, they need sight. And I pray that you give us sight today, that we can see you clearly that we can see heaven. And Lord, I pray today that we hear from heaven, that you give us spiritual ears to hear what the church has to hear from the Spirit, that we become the disciples you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, church, I'm a big believer, and uh, as us, as Christ followers, um, deepening our faith um, and our relationship with Christ through the means of grace. That means we're reading Scripture, we're praying, we're seeking the Lord, we're worshiping together, all of these things but also by just learning and investigating the things that we believe. You know, the church kind of just preached things from the Bible, which we need to do for years, but hasn't taught us the facts that we need to know that we believe in by faith, that we should be defenders of the things that we believe. Over the last few decades, so I've, uh, next Sunday, uh, January 1st, 2023, will be 20 years from the very day that we recommitted our lives to Christ in the church and recommitted to the church. And in those short 20 years, the culture has radically changed. In two decades, things that we thought were a long way off have actually happened in, in our lifetime. And us as Christians, uh, and atheism and agnosticism and skepticism and progressivism has crept into the church. But believers believe. If you've been born again, you understand the things of God, but we should also seek them out. And when you're studying the scriptures, there's a, a mining that takes place. You're digging into it. You're searching the things of God that you may bring out the gems and the holy things that he has to offer us. And Paul tells us that we are to stand firm on these things. Out of all the many verses that we're studying, and, and people will say they have a life verse and all of these things, uh, it would behoove you to, to memorize this verse, to understand it. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul writes, So then, brothers, people of the faith, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us. Now, we're not talking about human tradition. We're talking about the spiritual traditions that were given to the apostles by God to teach the church. Why? Either by spoken word or by letter. At that time, they're proclaiming the resurrection, the teachings. The church is listening to the apostles. Peter and Paul and others are writing letters, and we are to believe the teachings. We are to stand firm in these things. But how can we stand firm if we don't know historical Christian doctrine? 
The reason that people are pulled away so easily today is because, one, they don't understand the firm foundation, and they've not sought to understand these things. We've not done that. And you need to know this, too. An agnostic, a skeptic, or whoever it is, will ask questions, not for the answer. So you need to learn and have discernment. In this conversation, is this person wanting to know about God, or are they just asking continual questions just to cause a problem? When the Pharisees came to Jesus to ask him questions, why did they ask questions? The scriptures actually tell us when, he, when they did that, they didn't want an answer. They did it to find fault with Jesus. It is the same thing with today. If somebody comes to you, and a lot of times they don't even want an answer. They want to find fault with your belief system. And one of these doctrines I think we need to remember and know, these historical doctrines, is the fact that Christ came to bring us to God in a place that we know as heaven. The Apostle Peter says this, listen to this, for Christ also suffered once for sin. He goes to the cross, he's dying for our sins. The righteous for the unrighteous, meaning that God, Jesus, was the pure lamb without sin. He is purely righteous. He is dying for us, the unrighteous. That he might what? Bring us to God. That is the very theology that we believe. This is gospel. Jesus Christ came into the world to die for us that we may have a place with God, that we may live with him. This is the good news. The good tidings first brought to the shepherds was for all people, that God came to deal with sin, that we may be saved and given a new home without sin, without death, without suffering, without mourning, without the tears that we express here on earth. And I think it would be good for us today as we have celebrated God coming into the world that we deal with the reality of this promise, this eternity with God. I picked up a copy of Lee Strobel's recent book, The Case for Heaven. The timing of this book is beautiful uh, because the culture is trying to erase the things that happen after death. If we remove hell, there's no consequence If we remove heaven, then people can, they don't get to say, well, I'm just good enough to make it to heaven. But we as Christians believe in a place where God dwells, that we will dwell with him, and this place is heaven. During his research, he met with a New Testament scholar and asked him why he believes in the afterlife. And he gives nine reasons, and I want to share them with you today. They're not nine preaching points. I want you to know. They're just, (laughs) amen, amen. So there are nine points Uh, Just to talk about heaven, they're not going to be very long. I want you to just um, soak these in this morning. Um, I believe in heaven, he says, because Jesus and the apostles did. If we trust in Jesus and he's given us these teachings, we can trust them and his apostles. Jesus said this, for this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And what? I will raise him up at the last day. When he is to raise you up at the last day, it means to be with Christ in heaven. Peter, one of the apostles, for in this way there will richly be provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because of what Christ has done, there's entrance into the heaven. Um, The apostle John, and this is the promise that he made to us. What is the promise? Eternal life in the place of heaven with Jesus Christ. Two and three here. Jesus was raised from the dead. That should settle everything, right? If this person claimed to be God, (laughs) he went to the cross and they tried to kill him and he rose again, I'd like to trust what he has to say. 
No, not the guy that died and stayed in the grave. The guy that comes back from the grave, let's listen to what he has to say. People saw Jesus after his resurrection. I spent a lot of time talking about evidence of the resurrection and what happened around his resurrection at Easter. The apostles talked with Jesus after he had died and rose again. They ate with him. He presented himself alive to them with what Luke calls many infallible proofs. That means whatever it was, you cannot disprove it. It actually happened. And he promised Jesus Christ to come again. So he plans to come again. Number three, the overall Bible and the teaching of the scriptures teach that there is a heaven. The Old Testament images of Sheol give way to his glorious teachings of immortality, eternal life, and the kingdom of God. Now, there are some who will say there's not a lot of teaching of the heaven in the Old Testament, but we find its reality in the New Testament in Christ. It spoke of Sheol, the unseen world, the bosom, Abraham's bosom, the place of um, comfort. And you see in Luke 16 that that is a reality that happens in one of Jesus' parables. Four and five. The church has taught it consistently. So for 2,000 years, the church has consistently taught that there is a heaven. Christian theology from the beginning has believed in the afterlife, especially because of the resurrection. There has never been an era in which the church hasn't believed in heaven. So 200 years ago or 300 years ago or 500 years ago, the church didn't stop believing in heaven. It's been pretty consistent these 2,000 years. Five, this is an interesting thing, and it is the fact that there's beauty in the world and that you can perceive it and experience it. You have moments of awe in your life. Uh, even atheists get awestruck by the grandeur of the world. Going to the, the Grand Canyon, seeing a rainbow, a celestial event. Uh, people came to Wyoming in 2017 because of an eclipse that people came to see this thing. They're in awe of it. It points to something. How? Why do I experience awe and, and see beauty? It points to the reality that there is a God in a heaven. If God made a world where it's this good, it makes sense that he would make another world where things are even greater or even better. Um, number six, most people believe that there is a heaven. Um, 73% of Americans believe in a heaven. Essentially, humans down through history and across the spectrums of religions and philosophies have always believed that there is some form of an afterlife. Now, the good thing is that we have somebody that gives us this afterlife as a gift. But most people in a conversation believe that something happens after death, not that it's the end. You'll have some people that believe in annihilation or that there is the atheist or the skeptic that believes you just go into the ground. But most people believe that there is a heaven. Uh, number seven, desire. C.S. Lewis said this, If we are made for heaven, the desire for our proper place will be already in us. Why do we want an eternal life? Why do we want something to happen after death? Because there's a desire in us that God has placed here. King Solomon said that God has placed eternity within our heart. Only God can feel these desires. Uh, no natural happiness will satisfy in this earth, on this earth. Uh, at the end of the day, dealing with all the struggles of mankind, the person who gets drunk has to keep getting drunk and then, for the most part, can never even have the same feeling again. 
sexual desires. There comes a time where, where will there be the final satisfaction in all of these things? C.S. Lewis also said, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we are made for another world. We feel out of place on earth. We feel like even though at times you have a good experience, you're with your family, you also feel like there's something greater. There's something else for us, and the gospel teaches us these things. Eight and nine. The desire for justice to be done. This world is filled with injustices. Uh, the FedEx employee recently raped and murdered a little girl. How will that be dealt with? What we understand is these heinous acts of evil that happen in this world. There will be a final dealing with them. There will be a place where God is going to judge in the foremost part of heaven at the beginning as we experience these things. But the world is filled with injustices. We have an innate sense of what's right and wrong, and we long to see justice done. Even the justice system does injustices at times. But God's just, justice system, he promises us things to be made right. There will be no more sin and evil in his heaven. Number nine, science doesn't provide all the answers. You know, there's been a lot of pros and cons that happened with the COVID experience in 2020. And one of those showed us that we, all the people we thought were experts were not really good experts after all. That you could do your own research. You could go to a website and read facts and find out, wait, this guy who is supposed to be a professional is saying one thing, but the reality of what's really happening is something else altogether. So a lot of people believe scientific knowledge is superior to any other form of knowledge, but it's simply not true. Uh, it can't provide meaning and purpose. Science cannot explain love. How do, why do I feel like I'm in love with someone? How do I experience the love of Christ and love him? These things are, are supernatural. Um, the, thing, the experience of love with someone else. I would say, I would go as far as uh, singing. There's no pragmatic reason to sing. And some people can't sing and still sing. Uh, but there's something within us. Why do I sing? I want to sing uh, because there's something greater than this place here on earth. Wasn't that quick? Nine points? Nine points that point us to heaven. Now, church, as we prepare to close, I'm going to ask Jay and the praise team to come. Now, I want to go one step further as we prepare to close and add, um, I believe in heaven because Jesus has actually been to heaven. And he came down from heaven to provide a way back to heaven. He promises us eternal life in his heaven. Listen to what the Apostle John says again. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that has been given to me, but raise it up at the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks upon the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, church. Now, church, everything we've experienced from the goodness of God here on earth and Christmases, any celebration that we have as people here, uh, a meal with family, celebrations, birthdays, thanksgivings, all of these point to the reality of what God is going to provide us in his heaven with Christ. We are promised a great banquet. 
And the Bible tells us he's making all things new. And there's some good food here on earth. But heaven is going to provide some new stuff. There's going to be a new menu. I think that's good. There's going to be um, cinnamon buns there, Mike. New, <laughs> new cinnamon buns. Um, church, you are made for heaven just as a key was made for a lock on a door. And just as a family member that you haven't seen for years. And they show up at your gathering. And they just fit in. They belong. And this is what heaven will be for us. It will be quite the Christmas, church, because you belong. And so we should rejoice. Amen. I think we're going to close in just singing a joyous song to God.